The title of the sermon is, It's Time for Rain. And we're going to answer three simple questions. We're going to answer who, how, and what. I invite you to take your Bibles with me and turn to Acts, the first chapter. Krista, Acts, the first chapter. Your story. We're going to look at verse one, two, three, four. Children, open your Bibles. Come on. Get your Bibles open and turn to this story found in Acts, the first chapter. I'm going to start at four, and I'm going to read to eight. All right, thank you very much. Okay, you ready? Everybody have your Bible, children? Okay. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, what will be this time, what will be this time restore, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father has put in his power, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so notice what he said to them. First of all, wait. Go back to the upper room. Don't do anything. You just wait. And you wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what did I just read? The Bible said it, he called it what? Pastor? Oh, you know. The promise of the Father. The Father promised this. So you go back and you wait for it. And when it comes, you will receive power. And when it comes and you receive that power, you will be able to be witnesses for me. And so notice, if you will, we're going to answer the first question on who. As we look at this waiting for that power which makes us witnesses. And so take a look at verses 12 and 13. Same chapter, skip up a couple verses and notice what it says. For we want to know who is this that he talked to. And here's what it says. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which was near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they, were, where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, 
James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot. Judas, the son of James. And then we come to, as we look at the who part, we see all the disciples are named. There's 11 of them there, count them. But that isn't all. For as we look at how, we discover something else. And let's look at that. It says in verse 14, these all, well, that's the disciples. But wait a minute. In 14, it says, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. That's who this experience happened to. A group of more than just his disciples. It included women. It included Jesus' mother, Mary. And it also included his stepbrothers, which were opposed to him before the crucifixion. And they were all in the upper room together, and notice what it says here. It says, and continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now you remember that Jesus told them to go back and wait. But now we're going to see how this happened. For they went back to the upper room and it says they continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. But let's look at these words in the Greek. Because there's a deep message here that's incredible. And the first word we want to look at is all. Pantes. It's an adverb, an adjective, excuse me. And it means all of them. It means the disciples, the women, the mother of Jesus, and his stepbrothers. All of them, it says. All of them continued. And here's a state of being verb. In the Greek, asin. And it happens to be a verb, a state of being verb. And it's an imperfect active indicative. Now, it doesn't matter what that means except for this. An imperfect means continuous action. So all of them were in continuous action... And proskertereo, that means a verb that's a present active participle. It's made up of two words, pros, which means a preposition of direction, forward, towards. And kertereo means to be strong, steadfast. So all of them continued steadfastly attentive unto to give unmittingly care to a thing to continue all the time in a place and we're not done yet we gotta, we'll put all this together and then we come to homothumadin 
Homothumidin is an adverb meaning with one mind, in one accord, with one passion. And so when we look individually at these words, we're now building a case far bigger than the English language is able to interpret it. In the Amplified Bible, it says, all of these, with their minds in full agreement, devoted themselves steadfastly to what? To prayer. All of them. That was their focus. That was their intent. You know, I, I've got I've to divert a little bit, or divert a little bit. I've got to extrapolate. Folks, maybe it's going to take a major tragedy for all of us to wake up how close the second coming of Jesus Christ is. I mean, they were committed. They understood when that Holy Spirit came down, and they prayed for it, first of all, because Jesus said the Father promised this, pray for that promise, claim the promise, and when they did, they received that Holy Spirit. But before they did, they all, with one mind in full agreement, devoted themselves steadfastly, focusedly, continually to prayer. They wanted something to happen. And so the who we now know included men and women, not just the disciples, including Jesus' mother and his stepbrothers who were opposed to his message. I guess you might call them the first converts after the cross. <laughs> and they went to the upper room, as Jesus said, wait. He said, wait. But when they got there, they didn't just sit around like this. Who wins the Super Bowl? No, instead, their minds in full agreement devoted themselves steadfastly, continually to prayer. And then I wanted to write this to you so you understand something. Please do not get the misimpression that this was a group of people who were robots. Instead, they were conformity defined as one is going along with a standard of a group similar to complying with and obeying the law. It doesn't mean you give up your personality. You don't give up who you are. And the other is uniformity, which some people say, well, this sounds like uniformity. And that means that things are identically alike. And that is not what is being found here. They were like-minded in their mission and what needed to be done. And in that sense, they were in unity. And my, what they got accomplished is just incredible. But I said we were going to answer four questions, so we have to look at what. But you already know the what, don't you? What caused this? What caused this? What caused this? Prayer. Don't be afraid to say it. Folks, prayer. 
So let's go back and look at this. So the, Jesus said, wait. So they went to the upper room and they started playing Uno. By the way, that's not a sin, okay? But that isn't what they did. You know, last week was the opening week of the playoffs. And I, without thinking, put down that on that Sunday we fast from the TV. And I thought, Neri, you didn't think that through very well. But because of you, I did it. I did not turn that TV on and find out what any score was till we were done praying in this church and I got home at 8.30. Why? Because I myself have to practice what these disciples modeled for us. I mean, they had a focus that I don't think I have it, do you? Okay, that's, that's what Jesus wants to hear, working on it. And this all happened because of prayer. By the way, I put the Greek word there. I'll spare you my hammering it to death. It, but it's a noun. It simply means prayer. That's what the word means. No hidden meaning. It's prayer. Prayer. By the way, for those of you who like to dig a little deeper let me tell you, in the King James and in the New King James, it says end supplication. But the newer versions, they get rid of the word supplication. You should study and find out why is that the case. That's for another time and another place, though. Folks, prayer. I don't know what else to say. Hey, take your Bibles and now go to Luke eleven thirteen. Take your Bibles and go to Luke eleven thirteen. I want to read something. One verse here. By the way, who wrote the book of Acts? Luke? Who wrote the book of Luke? Luke? He wrote both those books. Do you have Luke eleven thirteen? All right. We're going to read it. Look at what it says. If you... being evil... know how to give good gifts to your children... how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now... The, Pastor, Pastor Ryan should jump up here and, you know, he's this analytical dude. Because that logic doesn't make sense. If you, being evil, know how to give good trips unto your children, then your Father in heaven, you would think, is willing to give you good gifts. Wouldn't you think that's what it says? But that's not what it says. It says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. And so, the logic is bad, but let's take a look at that Greek word. That Greek word, ask. Now, I put asking in there. I should have put ask, because King James, New King James says ask. 
I, I don't remember what NIV says, RSV. Does it say ask? Anybody? It's a present active participle. And a present active participle, that verb means it's continuous. It's a repeated action. So literally, here's what the translation says. If you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask and continue to ask? Now, I did not take liberties. This is legal because that word in the Greek for ask is a present active participle. It implies it's a repeated action. Jesus is telling us through Luke that you must continue to ask for the Holy Spirit. You're never to stop. You're to continue to pray. And so we got some things to work on. We do, all of us. Me. First of all, we got to get the kind of commitment that those disciples had in the upper room, including women. And then secondly, we got to pray together, folks. That's what they were doing in there. They were praying together. And by the way, can you now see, this is, this is day number 10. It's over. Now do you see the brilliance of the 10 days of prayer? Because when Jesus ascended, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And in those 10 days, what did the disciples and the women and his mother and his stepbrothers do? They prayed. And then the Spirit was poured out. And the church multiplied. Yes. Isn't that incredible? And that's why we did the 10 days of prayer. Did we do it absolutely right? Probably not. Were there any faults in it? Probably were. Notice how we even challenged ourselves to fast on each day for some particular thing. By the way, on the day when you're not supposed to eat sugar, I totally forgot and grabbed one of my son. son I'm going to yell at my son. Son, when you come to visit, don't leave your Rice crispy bars laying on the dresser. I went and ate it. And Jenny comes home and says, today we're not supposed to eat sugar. And I went. <sighs> At least I can say it didn't overwhelm me. And I crawled in there desperately shaking and breaking out with, with sweat. We're being challenged, folks. This is the day and age to rise to the occasion and practice Truly what the Bible teaches and we believe. Look what it says here. Review and Herald, June 1902. After Christ's ascension, the disciples were gathered together in one place to make humble supplication to God. And after 10 days of heart searching and full examination, the way was prepared for the Holy Spirit to enter the cleansing, to enter the cleansed, consecrated soul temples 
every heart was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. It was all because of prayer. The claiming of the promises of God. And so, in the 10 days of prayer, we practice where? At home and at the church. And by the way, my my spirit is telling me that what we did was right, not perfect, and that I can't wait till next year to improve is any way we can, but do it again. We've got to build that unity in our homes and here at the church. Because when people look at us and see us in unity, they will want to be part of this church. And actually, that unity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Tonight is part 10. And pastor, come up here, would you please? I know. I, I'm, I want you to get some exercise. <laughs> Tonight, pastor is going to make a brief introduction about the anointing service. And when he's done, we're going to have an anointing service. And we're going to do that because we did this about two years ago, I think. And so many people came up for anointing that we, we were here till 11 o'clock at night. So we know that there's a desire on all our parts to seek God more fervently. And for any of you that are struggling, Pastor, say a little bit about the anointing, would you please? Ain't no power in the oil. No. It's just oil. But what does the oil represent? And you can look through scripture and see this thematic consistency as the Bible talks about anointing. I won't go all into it, but when we look at this phase, this golden age of the church here, and what the Holy Spirit was to them, who he was to them, it seems as though we have lost an appreciation over time for the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Ah, but the Holy Spirit is the same spirit. Maybe it is our need to reconnect with God. Hmm. We'll talk about it a little bit tonight, and we will see what the Lord has in store for us. Hey, thank you, Pastor. Now listen, if you're new in any way, shape, or form, and you're not sure about this, go home and read James, the fifth chapter, starting with verse 13. And if you're still not sure, come tonight at 6 o'clock, hear the presentation, and while the pastor is sharing with us the meaning of the anointing service, ask God, should I be anointed? And why should I be anointed? And he's going to tell us. Folks, 
I'm not up to the standard of God yet, but I want to be like those disciples. And when you come, it inspires me to try harder. And we as pastors and our elders want to avail ourselves to you any way we possibly can for two reasons. First, for your benefit, and secondly, for our benefit. And so now you have a little deeper understanding of why we did the 10 days of prayer and how important this culminating meeting will be with the anointing service. I've got oil here in my little vial. And we would love to apply this oil. So don't be hesitant to come. And by the way, as usual, Pastor, when I'm going to pray now and we're going to sing the closing hymn and when it's over, the elders and the pastor and I will be up front to pray with anybody who wants prayer, especially if you can't come tonight, we'll pray with you now. For we want to share the blessings that God has given us with each one of you. And remember to pray for that purse. Because I'll tell you, when we get up next week and say the purse was returned, it's already found, and we looked all over for it. Well, sister, you got to tell that, that testimony next week. So let me pray with you, and then we'll sing. Father in heaven, I, I don't know what to say except thank you, thank you, thank you. You answered Wanda's desperate prayer. You answered our sister's prayer for her purse. And you've done so much more and sometimes even things that we didn't recognize. And so we thank you. Now help us to ponder this prayer thought, Lord, so that we can have that desire to be closer to you and more like you, come together more often, pray together for one another so that other people will be drawn to us. Oh, bless each one who's here and don't let anyone leave without making some decision between you and them, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.